0: This is the part two of the AMA with Aprajit, in which we will cover more deeper questions about becoming a design manager in India or anywhere else. Have you ever wondered what happens when you transition from the role of being a part of the team to leading the team? Are you currently going through this transition and you suddenly find yourself asking some questions you need answers to which eventually lead to more questions? that's the exact same phase i'm in right now and i will be asking many of these questions to our speaker aprajit aprajit describes himself as an engineer by accident and designer by fate he started out as a service designer working with mnc's agencies startups and before joining mintra as their lead designer for their consumer now is the design lead of mobility and ride hailing business for Kojek in Southeast Asia. We've received some very interesting questions and I'm curious to understand his perspective We're transitioning to a lead or a lead design manager role. This is the Hiawati Podcast and I'm your host Madhuri, speaking and asking many realistic questions to designers and product managers to understand and learn and grow. Let's get started here. Yeah, coming to self-driven, you know, uh, there is a lot of debate on what is self-driven, right? So what do you look for when I say that it's a self-driven designer that you are hiring? This is something that I feel a lot of us need to hear so that we can at least learn to imbibe this mindset because it cannot be taught. It's something intrinsic, right? So how do you look for those traits?
1: i i wouldn't know a specialist answer because i i don't know if i'm the right person to answer this question but what i can tell from again my learnings and my experience is that i look for people who can fail and still get up and make a run for it i think that is a key aspect that we look for whenever we're trying to look for driven people because things are gonna end up badly things are not gonna go the way we always expect them to be and that is when I think the real nature of every designer is going to be tested. We look for traits where they are open to actually track their path back if they think one of their approaches is not right during the interview process. If something uh, which comes up as a major feedback or something that they have missed out altogether, how quickly or how elegantly they're able to retrace their path and then still try and solve that problem without getting bogged down by the enormity of that problem. I think that is one thing that I personally look out for. And that has been rewarding so far.
0: I understand that these are the traits that you look for. Can I put it in a more realistic context just for some more granularity? The thing being, for example, you it's a job interview situation or it's a somebody that you already work with in the first scenario it's going to be very different right you're meeting this person for the first time probably heard about this person through your peer circles or maybe not so how do you go about it in an unknown situation versus unknown situation
1: understood understood yeah i think one of the things that has helped me is uh, trying to understand what their inspirations are behind whatever they're trying to do. I think that is something that everybody feels a connect to at the ground level, at the root level. Most of my conversations with people who I'm trying to talk to is something where we try and get together on a common point, trying to talk about or crack or set the topic right by just starting to talk about maybe Bangalore traffic to begin with, and just rejoice over the fact that how long it took them to reach here at the office or we work, uh, on a working weekday uh, to give an interviewer an unknown place where they're not sure if they're gonna get through or not. But yeah, I think just cracking that up and trying to set the you know, conversation right and uh, light is what we try and begin with. But yeah, then actually I try and get down to the aspirational parts, right? I talk to them about what inspires me, to be be a designer what inspired me to actually get into this field in the first place and what what they were trying to do or what they are trying to do in the first place. I think that that is one one thing that I always look forward to. Um, The other thing again is how well they're trying to explain whatever they're trying to do right now, what they want to do in their career versus what they're trying to solve in a problem statement. If they know that they're taking steps enough to understand the problem in the first place, if I know that I can trust that person going forward to do justice to understanding the problem, then I think solving the problem is again, a collective team effort that the whole team could address, right? So the ownership that uh, is going to lie with that one person is going to be about understanding the problem to the nth level. I think that is one crucial aspect I look out for.
0: Got That's actually making more sense in, in different contexts as well. Coming to a much different question. This is also a very popular question. How do you manage a new journey and what are the initial processes you follow for them if they are interns or beginners?
1: Um, new joiners, they are bundles of joy. Um, we have had Some very dedicated folks from uh, DesignOps actually, the DesignOps team that we have internally at Cocheck, who are trying to design the smoothest onboarding process for them. Um, We also have playbooks for embedded teams like mobility and like three month plans that help these designers who are particularly curated for each one of the new joiners to help them grow in the first few months of their joining the organization. For beginners, I, I don't think I have enough context. And I think that is where I would seek more advice and knowledge from the other folks who have been doing this work. But I can say from example, that we have one of the people within my team itself who joined as a fresher, uh, who actually was a trainee for some time. And then he graduated to become a full-time designer. He's doing pretty well right now. And he's actually an engineer who turned a designer. So, yeah, it's, it's been good that way. That is one example that I could quote. But more on that, I think, from our design of team, I don't think I'm well-suited to answer that question completely.
0: When you built those playbooks and all, did you have a hand at building them? Or how was this process of building a playbook?
1: First thing, I think I relied on a lot of secondary research. I looked at things that few people have been doing since some time what I was focusing on was just putting everything together in one place. Um, There were things, there were extensive documents, there were process flows, there were introductions to the product that we're trying to build, there were excerpts to our OKRs, there were things that we follow in terms of cadence like meetings and Slack groups and email channels. All of these things, all I had to do was just put them together in a good sequence. And the next thing that we were trying to do is test it out with few new joiners. So we handed over to every new person who joined the team and we allowed them to explore things on their own. I think that was just a little guidebook or toolbook whenever they joined the product. But yeah, we have had some decent feedback around that as well. We're trying to improve again as a holistic process across the organization, but it's been a good start.
0: That actually makes sense. So a lot of uh, research that is existing, that has helped you in setting up this base for your new joiners. And coming from new joiners to growing the team, like how did you actually build an efficient functioning team? And any process that you follow, like right now, Vajal. So how did you actually transition the team, especially team like Gujek, which is consistently growing, right? You're in a big growth phase unicorn startup. So how did you manage to do that part?
1: That's a bomb of a question. And I don't (laughs) think I could possibly do justice (laughs) from my limited vantage at Gojek. Um, But I'll try and explain from the perspective of just the mobility team that I'm part of. And we've been trying to set the formal process of design delivery by defining product design life cycles or acceptance criteria for design deliverables even idle sprint sizes this is an ongoing process that has been happening between internal design teams design ops engineering and product management as well and uh, yeah it's just one of the things that is part and parcel of being a design manager i think it's just constant improvement to the process we're still doing it we're still trying and test things out across different products and see if they work for one product or the other because we have so many different products so many different teams out here, each working in their own volume, in their own velocity, it's really hard to actually have one structure or one framework that fits all. So in that regard, we have been trying to pilot and see if a certain process works with a certain team, see that, use that as a framework or a skeleton, and then make some improvements to try and adjust to another team. So in that regard, design ops has been playing a crucial role.
0: Coming to design ops, I know it's not part of this, but the question that I, I have been holding in for quite some time is, is it here to stay or is it a fad?
1: That's, that's again, um, controversial question. I think I would leave that out to the better known fields in software and industry. I think design is still learning from other fields. Engineering ops has been existing since a long time now. Product management ops is also something that we have heard about a lot. I think design is just catching up. So yeah, before we even fade out in terms of a fad, I think we have to look up to what more we can learn from the already existing ops teams that are doing some great work. And um, just by reading about how these teams are doing something, I think internally, I was glad to actually speak to a few people who are trying to build processes and systems and design ops and it was enlightening. So I think we still have a lot to do, a long way to go before we even start considering if we are gonna build relevancy to the future or not. The same way a design system is supposed to work while trying to keep the UI same, I think the service aspect of design is something that design ops is responsible for, and it's even more crucial for a super app like Gojek, right? where so many different teams, as I said earlier, working at different velocities, have to still maintain the same experience. That is where design ops can only try and bring alignment through process so that everybody follows the same process and feels like, hey, it's one organization who's trying to build multiple experiences, not different teams.
0: So true. And uh, moving into another question, Uh, this is from team of one, somebody who is a designer and a developer Unfortunately, one role, uh, two roles, clubbed into one person. And how do they actually manage these tasks? And would you like to share some something that they can use and learn to, you know, build upon?
1: First of all, that's quite ambitious and brave of you. I think I appreciate that hustle. But speaking from my personal experience, that won't get us anywhere unless we want to be there. Um, I always found myself compromising on both ends, trying to design easy in order to build faster, but that just ended up in multiple endless iterations. I had to master either of the trades in order to become better at both. So it was just one time when I chose that I want to take this one path and I had to just nail it. And I'm loving it so far. That is when I decided that I want to focus on doing good at one rather than trying to juggle between both and never excel at either of them. If I were in your position, asking that question to myself at an early career stage, I would try and convince the management to hire another person, maybe an intern whom we could train one of the skills. As I said earlier, it's just one step closer to realizing how we can multiply the output in your future with a little investment, right? That's the whole essence of managing someone, right?
0: Got it. That actually makes sense. So convincing our management to get in another designer or probably somebody who can help out with something so that we can not compromise on both ends. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a learning process for the management as well. If you're an early company or an early startup, said that the investment right now in training someone is just scaling for the future.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Another very interesting question. Uh, Any thoughts around attrition and design?
1: That's an ugly truth. Um, Reminds me of the popular internet caption, which says people don't quit jobs, they quit bad managers. As much as I can relate to this, I also think the assumption suffers from a little selection bias there. Having said that, bad management is definitely one of the prime reasons of burnout and stress, and I have experienced it. Um, It helped me understand what should be avoided in order to keep the team focused and happy. Again, can't help but quote Julie once again here, but purpose, people, and process. These are the key aspects of management one pillar falls and the whole structure seems to crumble, right? So in this regard, speaking in terms of attrition trends, particularly in say Bangalore or NCR, the market has been surprisingly lucrative with new challenges and better incentives to keep us designers buzzing like these. I wouldn't know the larger numbers across the community, but Kojic design in particular has been blessed with a very low attrition so far. Cheers again to the amazing folks at Project for making it a joyride every day. But yeah, I don't think I have a global perspective to it. This is all that I could say from my personal experience.
0: Now, I think the typical backup question for this would be like, what would be your tips, tricks, and those kind of things for attrition? But I, I think they're just placeholders, in my honest opinion, because there is no substitution for the real thing you know if they are disappointed they are disappointed so how do you actually you know go ahead and say that you know what this is something that is attrition is happening so how do we actually deal with it how do people stick around how can i make them stick around
1: again i could only try and explain that from the point and perspective of experimenting with building a team I am still learning in the process. It's too early to say that I've lost a lot of people to realize that, yeah, I did something really, really bad. But that's, again, one negative metric that I do not wish to track. Having said that, I think it's it's all about trying to keep them focused on that end goal, whatever we're trying to do. I think setting the goal and the premise right for everybody saying that, hey, what is that one thing that we all want to achieve? And trying to set individual course or tracks for all of them is what matters. Um, You know that you have to reach a target, and you know that this is what you need to own. And this is what they're taking up as a responsibility. I think that just keeps them going on and on and on. Once we set the path right, I think it's just about keeping the momentum up, trying to make sure that there is a process that keeps a check on how things are going without us having to micromanage everything or just knock on everybody's door saying, hello, good morning. Um, I think that's one way that I've been trying to do. But yeah, I think I'm yet not experienced or achieved enough to answer that question from a higher level. I think I have a long way to go before I can answer that correctly.
0: Same problem. I think we all have to experiment as much as possible in these areas. People aspects are highly debatable because what works for one person might not work for another person. So it's a very interesting field as well. These variables are very high. Said. There was another question that is why design as service is not looked upon and product companies, design teams are often spoken about, but why service companies, design teams are not celebrated. This actually ties to your answer, which you mentioned some time ago saying that, you know, yeah, we, though we, you know, celebrate power companies and the releases and all of that, why are service companies not celebrating their own releases?
1: yeah i would like to disagree with that notion and i would like to say that i know some brilliant work is being done out there in the service industry few have actually won awards for their work in the field of design as well it might not seem rather it might seem less obvious as we often don't get to see the work unless it's designed for us right Uh, if you could just step out of a pretty bubble and see some indie work being done uh, on the ground level to tackle ground level actual grievances instead of fighting market dominance we realize the well isn't the world but regardless the good work needs to be celebrated and we as a community should urge these consultancies or service industry to democratize their design a little bit more um, you would be surprised to see that some of them have actually cracked the ideal process of design delivery better than most upcoming products in this industry but yeah it's just tying back to the earlier answer that I said, right? It's just a matter of democratizing the design and just looking forward beyond our scope of the competitive environment and industry to see how much they're doing, actually.
0: Got it. Yeah, that actually closes that, both of the questions quite well. So it makes sense, yeah. We're moving into another aspect of design manager again. Of course, this episode is all about that. This is more like how relevant is design manager role and title in today's times? Any thoughts on the future of design and management? People love asking controversial questions.
1: <laughs> I think that's a good part, right? And um, again, I might end up in a soup for answering that with a biased opinion. But that's again one of the things that we always have to tackle with once you're a designer, right? Have to learn the tactics of answering it just right. Design and management I think go hand in hand and they even overlap. There is so much for us designers to learn from the other fields. I would call myself a decent designer once I can estimate efforts like an engineer and consider nuances like product manager. That is just my take on being a decent parents designer. Once we look past the ominous distress of collaborating with them, you'd come to realize how much they own and know their stuff, right? I mean, our counterparts in uh, the industry, they just know so much more. Once we, again, try to iterate, uh, design is not just about delivering, but selling it too well. Once we achieve both, then we have suddenly unlocked the superpower. So yeah, in that regard, I think doing great design and also managing it, or setting the expectations right or collaborating it trying to meet all ends is going to go hand in hand while trying to actually get the design done
0: so is the title relevant still
1: i wouldn't know i could only tell you if i survive this industry the next 10 years
0: okay we will check back on that question in the next 10 years absolutely
1: sure. i'll meet you then yes <laughs>
0: for sure <laughs> How do you build an emotional balance with and between your team so that you can all sail the same boat? I think this question has to more do with alignment, right? How do you actually go through this process?
1: Yeah, I think it has to do more with a boat than an alignment. And I I think I love the aspect that uh, there is the beautiful analogy of the boat and this question that says it all. Once you are on the same boat, the objective is common to all. Reach the shore without sinking. By sharing the common goal and assigning responsibilities to the team, members could unlock their true potential to serve the waves. That is what I feel. So once you're in the same boat, you just have to tell everybody that, hey, this is our goal. These are our responsibilities. Somebody has to row, the other one has to rudder. And that is when things become suddenly easier. It's rather hard to find a common emotional nexus for each distinct individual. And hence, it's always um, going to be a goal, an okya, or rather a dream that we all look forward to, that we all converge upon. I wish the same to the larger community to harness the waves and explore the oceans. So what's your North Star is the question that looms.
0: Oh God, you left us with the North Star. Now get us back. Get us back now. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, now it comes down to responsibilities, right? And even though you bought us on the same boat and all of these things, what are the things that I, as a design manager, need to own, and how do you actually prioritize and figure out? You do understand certain aspects are challenging, and how do you tackle those things?
1: I could only speak about one thing, and that is again the dilemma, the, the biggest dilemma that is always going to stay, growing from being an individual contributor to a lead, um, it, it is always going to be about getting the work done. Whenever I noticed a team member struggled to solve a problem, I did have the tendency to jump in and solve the problem for them. I think that was something that I had to over, overcome personally with the transition and rather focus on improving direction to the people uh, or providing direction to the people within the team in order to solve the problem rather than just doing it myself. That is the one thing that I think was the biggest challenge for me while transitioning from IC to a lead role.
0: What was the instance that you held yourself back?
1: Stating another example, right, I think when I joined um, my current organization, looking at something like mobility and looking at the complexity of systems that we have built, it was evident to me that we lacked a kind of service representation of it. Um, and I was so hell bent upon doing it myself, just trying to map every system that we have existing and make a blueprint out of it, trying to shape the idle surface blueprint and then just map every experience, all the lanes out there and just look at it from a very high level perspective for everybody to converge upon, right? But then we had new people joining the team and we had people who had experience working in the service industry, who had been doing some good work in established front, working with fields like medical um, and healthcare. And that is where service design is very, very crucial, if you understand, right? And what I held myself back was doing it myself and rather guiding them or sharing my vision, sharing my thought, sharing my ground level documentation, my secondary research, and everything else, I just shared with them and let them explore it on their own. And it ended up being done beautifully. I think today I'm just proud of the person within my team who has taken that up and done it more beautifully than I could ever do it. They just put so much effort into making it come out alive, involving a lot of people, a lot of stakeholders, bringing all those nuances. It just looks like a complex diagram right now that I could never make sense of myself, but I'm glad I didn't do it. I'm glad I let another person within my team who was better suited to do that, do it in a much better fashion.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that, because that directly leads to the next question. Like, what should a design manager be known for? Like, should they be known for managing designers or project expectations or being the creative force for the whole team or managing stakeholders? Or is it something else that we all are not aware of? There is something higher. What is it that a design manager should be known for?
1: To to be honest, I think it's uh, none of them. The goal of being a manager or lead uh, should be to achieve a goal that no individual can reach. And rest are all just means and processes towards reaching that uh, ultimate goal, right? Um, These are just processes for us to follow in order to reach that goal. And once we reach that goal as a team, it's again going to be our job to set the next impossible goal ahead. I believe, The idle managers are the ones who don't need to work at all. The process built with purpose should be enough to facilitate autonomy. That's what I aspire for. So yeah, in that regard, I don't think any of these make sense when it comes to managing a team. These are just tasks. These are just methods. Um, What we need to do is just be great managers where we are not needed anymore.
0: Yeah, that's actually lovely because when you're not needed anymore is the question that comes of autonomy, right? And how much autonomy is the right autonomy? Is there some magic potion that I can give, take? What is it?
1: I think it's about building trust. That is also something that I'm trying to achieve. Uh, How much should I trust my teammate uh, in order to make sure that They are going to deliver the best output of everything without me having to worry about everything on a daily basis. And it's also trust on me from their side to say that, hey, uh, this person is going to give us the proper direction and is going to guide us and also help us whenever we feel like we're lost or we're doing something wrong. What I always keep telling my team is that don't ask for my permission, just do whatever you think is best. And maybe later you can say sorry. I wouldn't mind. So yeah, just go ahead and do things that you think are crazy and wild. And yeah, I think that has been working out well for me so far.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you so much for listening into the Hayagathi podcast. If you have any questions about your design careers, please drop us a note on Twitter or Instagram. I will get them answered soon from our speakers. i see you all in the next episode. And thank you again.